Um, good morning, everyone. I am Kate Kiefer, I'm marketing coordinator in Allen County, and I am here with Mitchell Stanfield, um, marketing associate in the Elkhart office. We are here for podcast number two uh, for the IND Council, and uh, Mitchell has um, so graciously agreed to um, meet with me today and have a conversation. So um, we're just going to get started with a few questions. Um, hi, Mitchell. Hello. <laughs> um, just to kind of kick it off, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? So um, my name is Mitchell, as you already said. I work in the Elkhart office. I am uh, married, and I've been with my husband for about 10 years. We have three girls, um, a 14-year-old, and uh, an 8-year-old, and then we also um, raise my 21-year-old special needs sister. She's low functioning Down syndrome and she she can do a lot of things on her own, um, hygiene, that kind of thing, but like she can't use a can opener or, okay. um, you know, we don't let her use the stove, but we let her use the microwave. She recently, my eight year old walked her through how to use the Keurig so that she can make her own cups of coffee because she really likes to do the things that she thinks she should be doing for her age. You know, um, so coffee is a must. <laughs> it is. She, every morning she makes her coffee. That's um, great. And then she gets ready. She gets to go to an adult program uh, held by the school, and she spends her time there. I think that one of the the best things about Farm Bureau, with in regards to to Haley, which is her name, she sometimes has issues where she has to call. And Kelly's been very understanding that I might need to step away for two minutes to walk Haley through whatever crisis has plagued her <laughs> life at that moment. Or, you know, sometimes she'll be at school and she'll be having an issue and they'll call. Um, and Kelly and I think Farm Bureau as a whole has been very open to the fact that, you know, that might happen once or twice a week for a few moments and they allow that. Mm-hmm. And then you said you're eight-year-old um, is adopted correct and yeah. what did that process look like for you guys that was a very neat process actually um, so she's actually also mixed race she's she's half Filipino and um, we it was as a past employer I was working and Jason my husband and I we'd gotten all of the documentation ready. We were looking at all the avenues for adoption because it was something that we wanted to pursue. And a coworker just walked up and looked over and saw that that was stuff I had. And she said, well, wow, you're looking to adopt. I have a friend who's specifically looking to adopt to a male same-sex couple. And it's just things fell into place. We met her. Um, we went through the pregnancy with her. We were there when we found out the gender of the baby. We were there at the birth. Um, so they did the skin to skin, and that was it was on me. So um, the, the nurse actually accidentally ripped my button when she was <laughs> trying to right open so that she could do the skin to skin um, for that bonding moment. And then my husband got to do her first feeding. Awesome. And so it's been that way ever since. That's incredible. We got her from day one, and she's just always been ours. We keep in mild contact with the birth mother, but she doesn't she doesn't really want it to be too open. She prefers the distance because she has three other kids mm -hmm. and she just needed to um, find this one in a different home so that she could provide the life that she needed to provide or wanted to provide for her other three. She just thought that four was too much for her. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think adoption is something you guys would consider again? Absolutely. Um, we've talked at length about it, and I don't think that we would ever want to start fresh with, with a, a baby, maybe not even a child, but maybe once our younger one is, is a little older and we're a little older, uh, because it's, it's on a 32 and I'm kind of an eight-year-old that's adopted and people, that throws people off sometimes. Um, but it fell into place, so that's just how it happened. We would really like to look into, you know, a teenager because mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where people don't always bring the teenagers into their home for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be fulfilling mm -hmm. to be able to provide that security to somebody that, that isn't having everything. So, and you have a 14-year-old stepdaughter. How's mm -hmm. that? How's that relationship with you and her? Oh, it's fantastic. We've been together since she was three and a half, four. Um, the eight-year-old kind of determined what we're called. She, when she was two or three, she just started calling my husband, daddy, and me, dada. That's her own differentiating whatever yeah. to it. Um, and then, so the older one just took that whip. And so they, she just refers to us. And she also has a really great mother. Uh, we have her half-time and her mother has her half-time. You know, the, the relationship with with her mom isn't always the cleanest, but she's a really great mother. <laughs> yeah. And that's really all that matters yep. is that, you know, sometimes there's not always agreement, but at the end of the day, she does very well by her. That's great. And she's a little, she's an artist. She loves to paint and draw and she is sensitive, as I said. So she's pretty amazing. So you guys have quite a wide variety. I love your family. <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique situation. Family dinners are always fun. Um, my my twenty one year old sister, who she's verbal to a sense, but you have to know her really well to understand what she's saying. Her and my husband will will go at it playfully, like constantly back and forth across the dinner table, just constantly quipping at each other. You know, their little <laughs> one liners towards each other, their little faux arguments. And that's how they live their entire life. And my, my eight-year-old calls it roasting. <laughs> <laughs> they just constantly roast each other. So my sister will enter a room and, and just be like, you know, calm down, old man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds fun. Just, they spend their whole time like that. And, and that's one of the things that I'm most thankful for is that my husband, from the get-go, it was understood that Haley was going to come live with us. Um, and he has always embraced it. And he embraces her and they have their weird little relationship that I, <laughs> I'm not part of that. They, they do their own little weird roasts and yeah. they love each other. That's fantastic. So you guys have been married for 10 years? We've been together for 10, married for seven. Married for seven. Okay. Um, and you grew up here in Elkhart? I did. I actually grew up in, in Dunlap, which is down, it's, it's like a little mini place that doesn't really exist, but it has an address. <laughs> okay. Um, so we, I grew up there. I had a mother and a whole bunch of siblings. Um, my parents divorced when I was young, and then she remarried. So I have two younger sisters that have a, a different father. Okay. Um, how did you How did you end up at Indiana Farm Bureau? I actually was, um, I guess, recruited from an agent that we had in Indianapolis. Okay. She pushed for us to have me apply, and I did. And then I met Kelly uh, Bronstetter and. Everything fell into place. Here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long have you been with Farm Bureau? Six months. Six months. Okay. All right. Um, 
couple, just some more in-depth uh, questions kind of regarding um, inclusion and diversity. Um, kind of in your world, what kind of makes you diverse? <laughs> All of it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that the fact that, um, that same-sex marriage is not completely uh, embraced or understood yet kind of adds a little individuality to my situation, especially being a younger gay father. Mm -hmm. um, my family is a mixed race family. Um, both of my younger sisters are mixed race and, um, and the younger one's also disabled. And then my parents growing up, I was raised by, you know, my mother and then my father was, was black. So okay. he was my stepfather, but he was the one that raised me. Okay. So that kind of put my perspective a little bit different than some other people. Okay. How do you think your experience throughout life has influenced kind of who you are today? I, tenfold. I don't know. I, I don't think that any of who I am today would be who I am today without all of those factors that I put in. I think that being able to grow up and watching the struggles of, you know, my, my siblings, with their identities um, and finding themselves and my, my stepfather kind of gave me the ability to step back and take things at face value and, and to trust what people are telling me rather than trying to push my own experiences to it. Mm -hmm. And then also my experiences, you know, out in public and hassling in work, whatever with um, my husband, who I'm very proud of. I never shy away from bringing my family up. I love to talk about my husband and my kids and my baby sisters. So, you know, there are sometimes people that disagree vocally or when you're not around, when you live out in the open like that. Mm -hmm. how, how was it growing up when, um, did you like officially kind of come out to your family? Did you guys have a conversation about it or how did, what did that look um, like? I, I was pretty low key about it all. I just kind of started living that way and allowed them to catch up. <laughs> it, okay. it was, um, I was raised in a very religious family and they kind of used that religion to find their acceptance with with my situation and I didn't necessarily come out in the same sense that other people did. Okay. I just, one day I had a boyfriend and then I introduced him and that was where things fell and it confused them, but they, they loved me anyway. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of strife from my immediate family for it. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Some people don't have that same situation. Some people yep. live for a long time scared to be able to tell people who they are because that love isn't quite as obvious. Yep, absolutely. I've experienced that in my own family, so I completely understand. Um, so what adversity, if any, have you faced? So I, I have, as, as a kid, because I did, you know, start living in my own truth younger than some people. I had some issues in school, but I, tried to brush it off a little bit. Um, we got a lot of flack in my neighborhood because um, there was a lower income neighborhood and people weren't very accepting of the fact that our family was 
mixed race. They had a lot of issues with the fact that my mother had, you know, married outside of our race. And they were, I think that more of that affected my younger siblings than myself, but it's hard to see someone you love hurting over something that's completely out of their control. Yeah. As far as, you know, my husband and, and our situation, we do sometimes get names thrown at us when we're out in public with our kids. And it frustrates me because I don't feel like you should do that kind of things in front of children. Yeah. If you're really needing to throw hate, just <laughs> do it on your own time. Yeah. Um, and a couple of times at work, I like backhanded games, you know, mm-hmm. where the goal was to, you know, not touch me or whatever, because you wouldn't become gay then. But um, never here. I think that Farm Bureau has been ridiculously open and accepting. And one of the things that I was really impressed by with Farm Bureau was the fact that there was actually a sensitivity training geared towards sexuality and gender identity. I've never experienced that before. And so on my first day, I was like, wow, this might be the place that I should be. Yeah, that's really interesting. So we were we were having a conversation um, before we started recording and we were talking about you know, interviewing for jobs. Um, and that was one thing you tried to come out and say, you wanted to talk about your husband and, you know, and your kids. And cause that was important. You knew, important to you to see how, you know, people would respond. So, Correct. right. Yeah. Um, and you said that you thought it was possible that you didn't get jobs because of that. Definitely. There, there is sometimes, and it could be me reading into, you know, insecurities that are there, but Um, there are times when conversations feel like they're flowing freely. And then when you do mention a husband Mm -hmm. or adopted, you know, because some people don't really like the idea of two men raising kids, um, the tone changes, then the interview wraps up (laughs) relatively quickly after that. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very possible that bias on that is what caused those positions to fall through. And that's the reason that I say I make sure that I bring it up mm-hmm. and it's because I want to be in a place where I feel safe and accepted. And if those places aren't that for me, then that's, it's not a good fit. Yeah. So speaking of your kids, do you think they've experienced any adversity um, because of you and your husband's relationship? Unfortunately they have. Yeah. My, my younger one, I don't know that she has, she's a little bit fiery. Um, so she doesn't take much in, in terms of insult or whatever to heart. Yeah. <laughs> but my older right. one is a very sensitive soul and she did have some issues where she would bring in family photos or draw pictures and people would make fun of her because she had gay dads. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she was a little affected by that. And that's, even though I didn't cause it, I didn't do it, I didn't make those kids say that it's hard to not feel responsible because the situation that you have is why they're Mm -hmm. getting that. So when that stuff happens, what's the conversation you have with your kids? We just tell them that we've been really, we push that all families are unique and not just with, you know, two moms, two dads, multiracial. Sometimes kids have no parents and they're raised by grandparents. And we just explained to them that those kids aren't used to our family type. And so they just need to learn. Mm-hmm. And that helps. They, 
she gets upset because she feels like they're hurting our feelings mm -hmm. and we just tell her this doesn't hurt our feelings because we know our love we know what we are doing and we love you guys and you guys love us and that's what matters mm -hmm. is love because love just defeats everything <laughs> i agree <laughs> i agree um is there anything else that you that you talk about um as a family in regards to sexuality we're, we try to be open with it. Like our 14 year old has come to us and, and told us that she thinks she might be pansexual. Okay. Um, and we are open to that. I didn't actually know what, what that terminology meant. I didn't um, either until I, recently. So I had that's to fair. research it <laughs> yeah. and had to help her explain it to me. And we just, happiness is the only goal that I have set for my kids. Mm -hmm. There's nothing beyond that. If they maintain themselves and keep happy life, then that's successful to me. Mm -hmm. So whichever way they go, I want them safe, you know, but I think the safety and happiness kind of go hand in hand. And if they don't want to be rich and famous, then they don't have to be as long as they're happy. And so that's what we go with. So sexuality aside, yes, we have that conversation to a certain degree, but mm -hmm. not maybe in depth. Yeah, <laughs> no, that makes sense. We're just open. We show affection when we want to show affection. We we just live our lives and our truth, and that's what we push for our children to do. That's great. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit um, in regards to Farm Bureau and the Inclusion and Diversity Council, what are your hopes for the Inclusion and Diversity Council? I think that diversity is always a strength. I would hope that with this council that um, it'll both educate people that, that don't necessarily find themselves in, in situations to get this education otherwise, mm -hmm. and it will show to people that might not expect, you know, a business such as this to be open and bring more in because our experiences shape how we interact and how we do things. So if everybody's the exact same, everybody's going to be thinking very similarly and that kind of hinders growth. Mm -hmm. So we need people. I mean, specifically, if nobody was multilingual, then we wouldn't be able to have a Spanish speaking line, which our insurers love. Yeah. <laughs> and it's especially in this area, there's a very high population of Spanish speakers. So that's a huge strength mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have if nobody spoke Spanish. Yeah. And that's, I think that bringing in people from different backgrounds and different cultures will just add different strengths that, you know, the company doesn't even realize that we need. Mm -hmm. I agree. So what do you think we can do to make this a more inclusive environment for everyone? I think that education is important. Um, help people see the strengths in a diverse work culture. And I also think that openness just showing this just this existing shows to people that this is a place that's willing to work towards this goal mm -hmm. and that makes people feel safe mm -hmm. because if you provide a safe work environment then people will come <laughs> and you said you felt that i did um, yeah. so far with farm bureau very much so um i mean in your local office and even outside of that absolutely yeah there's been zero interactions that tell me otherwise with any people that work in this Elkhart office. The Elkhart office people are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just a little, you know, 
that are there, but um, everybody that I've interacted with, I've never felt anything but love and support and openness within Farm Bureau. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> um, so another thing we were chatting about um, prior to uh, recording was um, you also applying to be on the Inclusion and oh, yeah, Diversity I Council. Did. So um, if you do get selected, um, kind of what's what's your vision? What would you like to work on first? Really, I, I don't know. I, I love the idea of the community because that's kind of where it starts. Yeah. And if you get yourself out there, especially right now with um, with the issues of labor and you know, bringing people into the fold. If you're out there and showing, like, look at what we stand for, then you might draw that crowd in mm -hmm. and be visible. But I also think that the creativity team is very neat mm -hmm. because it's it's just another way to educate. Really, all of them have their own values. Like they wouldn't exist if they didn't, because to grow the team is important. Yeah. yeah. We do have a really great subcommittee. <laughs> I have to throw it out there. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to mention or um, put out there for everyone to hear? Oh, goodness. I just, I guess if I was going to give any advice on, and I'm, I'm speaking more from, from what I've heard, you know, from my siblings and, and the like, Sometimes we don't realize how our words are being interpreted. And so it's important to just, if somebody tells you, you know, this is the way that I feel about that, to just accept that that's how they feel. We don't have to filter it through our own experience. Just yep. sometimes unintentionally, we will say things that might make people feel out of sorts. And if we do, we just maybe need to accept it and not internalize. Mm -hmm. move forward with it. I think that's a great statement. Perfect. Um, first of all, I want to thank you um, for sharing and being a small part of a big ongoing conversation. Uh, our company is looking forward to hosting more conversations with employees and agents around inclusion and diversity. Um, if anyone out there is interested, please contact the Inclusion and Diversity Council um, if you'd like to be featured in the podcast. Um, we want to chat with you and get your thoughts. So uh, Mitchell, very nice chatting with you today. Thank you so much.